Wholesaling Studios, powered by RumbleOn.com. It's time to take you behind the scenes in Smashville. Cuts across, he scores! This is the Preds' official podcast with Thomas Willis and Brooks Bratton. Powerful move from back of the net. On Smashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. Thanks for joining for another episode of the Preds' official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. I am Thomas Willis, my counterpart, Brooks Braden, both of us of NashvillePredators.com. The two of us in different places as we record this episode of the show for you. Brooks with the team in Boston as they await uh, the Boston Bruins on Saturday night to complete a four-game road trip. Um, we have an interview coming up in the second segment with Nick Benino that we recorded earlier in the week talking about his experience at an outdoor game, one of the few Preds who's been on this team to be able to play outdoors so we'll get his perspective there what he's doing around the holidays um, with his little ones and then a cool story from the road including Matthias Eckelman what we'll call his flu game Brooks you, you were there to be able to see it uh, on Monday night in New York um, and then we're going to introduce a couple segments for you guys some new features off the surveys that we took to make this show even a little bit better so um, I'll, I'll allow you at least a brief welcome before we dive into these four games from the week that was. Well, thanks to the over 100 listeners who took the survey. That was exciting. Yes, yes, for sure. And because of that, we will be selecting a winner from one of those entries to get a Colton Sisson's autographed puck. That'll be later on in the show. Yes, so so good to get some feedback. Thanks uh, to all of you who took part in that. And good to talk to you, Thomas. It's been a little while. Uh, As you said, we've been gone on the road the whole week. It is still chilly in Boston, but it is nowhere near the minus 27 wind chill we had in Ottawa. So an improvement in that uh, area of things. But uh, looking forward to getting back to Nashville and hopefully with a couple more points in tow as well. Yes, I think that game in Boston very much defines the rest of this road trip. The Preds, of course, are 2-0-1 so far in the first three games of it. It began with two in New York, a back-to-back, only their second back-to-back of the season so far, um, against the Rangers first and then the Islanders. Um, So that road trip's gone well, but it was preceded by, I mean, frankly, one of the toughest performances the Preds have had so far this season, a 4-1 to loss against the Dallas Stars in what was really billed as a pivotal game, a big game for those two teams that will meet in the Bridgestone NHL Winter Classic, I guess in only about two weeks. Um, the Preds take an early lead, but it's a shorthanded goal that ties it and really kind of swung that contest. And the puck got underneath the stick of Yossi at the blue line, picked up by Como coming on shorthanded, he scored! Blake Como picked up a bouncing puck and came in through the left circle on Pecorine and scored shorthanded to tie the game at one. So you hear the call there. Blake Como makes the game only one-to-one, but it really was a second period that did not go the Predators' way as they again ultimately lose four-to-one, giving up four goals in that middle frame, starting by that shorthanded goal. And this was interesting. Their general manager, David Poyle, said in a recent radio interview that the Dallas game wasn't really just another game for him. Like I think you and I felt this same way that with the Stars in that first wild card spot in the West, with them being a division opponent and a team you're going to see a few more times, you really wanted to see how the Preds would stack up against them. And and Paul was pretty candid when he said he did not like how the Predators kind of a lack of response, frankly, um, after giving up that shorthanded goal. And that led Peter Laviolette to say this after the game. He said, 
it wasn't a quantity thing that he felt like they gave up on the defensive end. It's not like we were under siege, but the mistakes we were making, they were costing us. They're just too big. We need to quiet the game down defensively from a quality standpoint, not a quantity standpoint. Right now, they've been capitalizing, in quotes. So, uh, interesting to see. He then went on to say, when referencing Colin Blackwell, but then kind of mentioned the whole team, that, quote, we need to invest more in the game. And I think you've seen that as this, I think we'll call it pivotal. The players have said that as well, this four-game road trip that may make or not make what this team's going to be um, going on. What did you see in that Dallas game and then spilling over to start that road trip? Well, I think the thing that has stuck with me from that Dallas game is we've heard players before say that they're frustrated, they're disappointed after a loss, but very rarely do you hear them say they're embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And Pecorine said that after the game last Saturday against Dallas. Austin Watson echoed that as well. That really stuck out to me. They were mad. They were angry. They were embarrassed. They were disappointed, frustrated, all the above adjectives that you can use to describe a performance like that. And they know they have to be better. And so that was the mindset coming into this road trip. And as far as New York is concerned, it couldn't have gone much better when you want to get that bad taste out of your mouth. They sweep it back to back, the Rangers and the Islanders. It was a great start to this trip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you and I, through some of the previous struggles in the month of November, were more positive about this Predators team because we saw the commitment was still there. We saw the effort and the, the strength within that leadership in the locker room. And yet I think in that Dallas game, that was the first time, at least personally, I, I saw a lack of response, a lack of effort and intensity that you expect to see that we heard about from those very same players leading up to that game. This is a division rival. This is a big stage. And then you did not see that response. And I think, you know, that was a moment, it looks like at least for now, that helped to turn, you know, at least the next few games following it around a bit because you saw that commitment level. The Predators have actually scored the first goal in all three games so far on this road trip. Um, and of course, has led to five out of six points so far. So, interesting from from an analytics perspective, the Predators, much to Lavi's comments, actually technically from advanced analytics, were the better team of these previous four games in that Dallas Stars game. But it was the high quality chances they gave up, the partial breakaways, the shorthanded goal. They gave up too many high quality chances, and then were not able to respond. That results in the four to one loss. As you mentioned, five to two over the Rangers. The big moment, which we'll touch on this later on in the show, is Matias Eckholm getting the game winner, coming out of the penalty box. But Brooks, he nearly wasn't, not only not in that penalty box, he almost wasn't even in the rink for that game. Power play for the Rangers has now run its course. They continue with possession. But now Benino scales it off the wall, looking for Ekholm, comes down right in front of him. Here's Ekholm breaking in. He scores! Matthias Ekholm takes that pass just after they killed off his penalty, goes in and scores the goal to make it 3-1 at 15-23. The Matthias Ekholm flu game, yes, it's quite a, quite a story. As you said, we'll get to it more in the third segment. But he shows up the day of the game after being sick for four days goes on to score what proves to be the game-winning goal. A couple of goals are added late there into the empty net from the Predators at Madison Square Garden. They roll out of there with a 5-2 win, bus over to Long Island, and I, if you raise your hand and say you saw that coming on Long Island, you're lying. <laughs> yeah. Because an 8-3 win over the Islanders, one of the Eastern Conference's top teams on the second half of a back-to-back and a building where the Islanders had points in 13 straight games. The Predators, all of a sudden, by the end of the night, 
are one goal away from tying a franchise record for goals in a single game. It looked like we were going down a similar path. The Islanders scored three very quickly in that second period, and you can't help but say, oh, no, here we go again. All of a sudden, the Predators say, we're not going to stand for that. And the key moment in that, a similar situation. They score a shorthanded goal to the Islanders to go up 3-1. to one, But on that same power play, just 20 seconds after, Philip Forsberg answers and makes it a 3-2 game. Greg Smith backhands the puck to Ekholm walks the blue line. Here's Forsberg right side. His shot scores! Philip Forsberg from the top of the right cycle. Right circle, excuse me. And the Predators are back on the board. Now trailing by one. It's 3-2. So that Philip Forsberg goal there, that's the moment where, as we said, it was a similar situation to Saturday. Dallas scores a a shorthanded goal, and then it goes off the rails. This one easily could have done the same. And the answer from the Predators was what was key. And not only the answer from Forsberg, but then Craig Smith ties it. But then they didn't stop either. Yep. And and that was kind of an interesting one, too. They end up with eight goals. And I said to Peter Laviolette, Did you, what sticks out to you about this? Why were you able to score eight goals? Is there anything that comes to mind that, that comes to the forefront? And he said, not really. It's just, it's just one of those games where we put some pucks on net and we were able to find the back of the net. It wasn't like they were, the Predators were you know, pushing on the offense any, at, at some astronomical pace that we've never seen before. Uh, it was just a matter of one of those games where you shoot the puck and sometimes it's going to go in for you. And uh, that was one of those. But to get four points in New York, I think that was huge for the Preds to start this road trip off in that manner. Mm-hmm. Right. And you mentioned it makes it easy to tell from a narrative perspective to give up that short goal in the second period. I mean, eerily similar to the game on Saturday. But then for Philip Forsberg to come back and make it 3-2 to two so quickly by proceeding to score on that same power play. He gets the power play goal. Yes, I mean, I think any of us would admit when it's 3-1 to one for an Islanders team that at the start of the game was the second-best defensive unit in the league in allowing goals, they traditionally only need three goals to win. Of course you're thinking it's over, and you have to wonder, does that little bit of that spark from the weekend and some of the comments and some of the commitment the Predators have made, does that help You know, be able to spark things? And you're right. Even then, you start that run of seven consecutive unanswered goals, but of course that spans into the third period. You even walk away from the second feeling okay about it. By In no means is it over. I mean, you only have a two-goal lead at that point, um, but then to be able to go on and get three more in that third period and really put it away, I think that's encouraging. A fun fact, if you didn't see this, according to stats, the Preds became the first team to play the Rangers and Islanders on back-to-back road days. I know that's very specific, but then win both of them by three-plus goals for the first time since the 80s when the Kings did it in 1981. So that's encouraging there. And, and again, I, we're not trying to paint a, a picture here and say that, oh, the Predators you know, woke up and were able to change everything after their loss on Saturday. I mean, again, if you look at the underlying numbers, they played okay. They played fine. But I think when you see that commitment level, when you get a couple bounces your way, that can really help your belief and be able to move forward a little bit um, and be able to, you know, like you said, be able to respond and beat that team when you kind of look like you were out of it, um, at least early in that second period in the island. So the third portion of this trip then is the only one that goes north of the borders. The Preds take on the Senators. What a wacky game there. Again, if you want the defining moment, it's likely the second period. We'll touch on that in a second where the Preds only get three shots on goal. But then, boy, do they race things back to a race of four to one deficit that happens early in the third period. 
their Corsi for 74% in the third period. It was as if they truly were like, you know, we cannot let this happen. We cannot lose to this team. They ultimately do in overtime. But, we'll, again, as we said right off the top of this show, if you're able to do something special in Boston, all of a sudden, you know, this is what helps you get those seven out of eight points potentially. Again, easy to be frustrated after, and we'll touch on that. But to be able to get a point when you're down three goals in the third period, even as much as you hate the second, I think you have to take that just about every time. This one tried to jam it home from the side. Kachuk could not quite connect with that. Shabbat almost straight away. Right side of the shot and the score. Anthony Duclair wins it in overtime. A power play goal, which comes at 2.40. I will always take the point after being down. I th- it's those moments when you have a lead like Ottawa did and you give it up. And if you have to settle for only one point, I think that's when you're really frustrated. Not to say that the Predators weren't frustrated after the loss. Because as Ryan Ellis said, and, and many others have said along the way, we're here to get two points. We're not happy with one point and say, oh, okay, that's that's good enough. It's not good enough, but at the same time, the Predators need all the points they can get. And if you're down by three in the third period and you can come back to at least salvage one, you have to take it in that setting. But again, as Ryan Ellis said after the game, you can't relax against mm-hmm. a, a team like that, a Senators team that is not near the top of the standings, but they're one of those teams that are never going to give you an easy night. And this is the point in the season, even though it only is December, Ellis saying that we need to take two every night or take two as much as you possibly can because you're not going to win every night. But it's tough to have a game like that, to see a game in your grasp, and then all of a sudden it slips away and you're able to come back and get one. But you know they wanted two. So they have an opportunity to get seven of eight on this road trip, as we've said, and that would be huge. If you can come in to a road trip, even if you end up finishing with five of eight, I don't know. That's not great, mm-hmm. but it's better than 50%. But if you can finish with seven of eight points, that's a pretty darn good road trip, especially the way things have gone off and on for the Predators so far this season. Right. Peter LaViolette, the coach, saying after the game, I don't think we were very good in the second period. We probably cost ourselves a point in just that period. The first was okay, but we fought really hard in the third to come back but the second period needs to be a lot better. And you mentioned it. It is a power play goal in overtime for the Senators off a Cali Yarncroak holding penalty. But like you said, uh, I think some good, some bad. No team's going to be perfect, of course, across 60 minutes. Um, And yes, you dip in the second period. I think that's the number one thing they'll want to correct against a Boston team that is, like you said, much better, at least on paper, than the Senators. But still, when you can get three goals, when you can tie the game in the manner that Roman Yossi did, a, at least we project to be a Norris Trophy finalist if he keeps this current pace up. What was it? Two well, guys, three guys. Scoring goals, uh, <laughs> yeah. When you're scoring goals like that, and you're yeah. you're making NHL defensemen look silly, and you yourself are a defenseman, which we've we've seen him do it time and time again. Yeah. I love uh, what former Predator and we can call him friend of the show, Scott yeah. Hartnell, tweeted. <laughs> like Roman Yossi, my goodness! Like, does he ever? He, he, he never ceases to amaze you what he's capable of doing. He can take the game over at any time if he wants. Yep. So the stance right now is five out of six points. Like we mentioned, it it's. Preds, Bruins, 6 p.m. on Saturday. Again, we harp on that game so much because before we talk to you next, really not a lot of games to recap. The Preds will be back home Monday briefly to face the Coyotes and then recently acquired Taylor Hall. But then it's a three-day Christmas break and then a back-to-back with Pittsburgh. So the meat of this schedule, as you mentioned, is this four-game road trip. The response has been good so far. I mean, we'll see how they go from here. Again, we know it. 
The players know it. They've called this a pivotal and perhaps season-defining road trip, and I think things are good so far. Let me leave you with this preceding this game against the Bruins. Victor Arvidsson, still on injured reserve, but is on the trip with the team, has been skating at morning skates. Again, they haven't had time to practice. They've played so much, but they have had a lot of morning skates. He has been out there for all those opportunities. So David Poyle mentioning as well in a recent interview, could even see him in game action before that Christmas break. So that would either leave Saturday night or Monday night if he's able to do that. And then Mikhail Granlund, who has not played since December the 12th against the Sabres, he got back on the ice just before that Senators game. So could see some help there. I think especially if you're, again, harping on that effort theme as we have been. I mean, who better than Victor Arvidsson? I mean, to be able to push the pace like he does every night. I think Rocco Grimaldi deserves a shout-out here for the admirable job he's done filling in that role, getting elevated to the top six. But I think it's even more so when you're able to get that with Arvidsson. Well, and for Arvidsson, too, Darren McFarland asked me before the game in Ottawa during the pregame show on 102.5 The Game here, and said, do you think that Arvidsson's coming back before Christmas? And I said, well, I'm not a doctor. I'm not about to start making <laughs> predictions and saying that, yes, he will be an early present. But for all those folks who bought Victor Arvidsson Winter Classic jerseys, and I know there's a lot of you, it's looking better right now than maybe it was yep. a little while ago. Just to... As you said, see him on the trip, see him skating. He's looking really good, and the Predators aren't going to rush him back, but when he's ready, he will be back in the lineup. And at this point, it's got to be looking good for the Winter Classic. It'll be four weeks to the day when he was given that four- to six-week timetable on Saturday night in Boston. Again, not saying he's going to play there or Monday against Arizona, but hopefully should be in there before the uh, Saturday, or rather the New Year's Day. Uh, game in Dallas against the for the Winter Classic there. You mentioned it. Who on this Predators roster has played in an outdoor game? Actually, I didn't even know this until we did the interview. Multiple outdoor games. Let's hear from Preds centerman Nick Benino on his unique perspective on what's coming up for the Preds as they head to the Cotton Bowl and the NHL Winter Classic in just about 10 days from now. And then what's going on in the Benino household for the holidays? Always fun to hear from him and his two daughters. That's next on the Preds Official Podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Welcome back to the Predators official podcast here on ESPN 1025 The Game and streaming on the Game Nashville app. Brooks Bratton and Thomas Willis in a lively locker room at Centennial Sportsplex. Pleased to be joined by Nick Benino for his second adventure on the POP Bones. First off, welcome. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Uh, we're getting close to the Christmas season. Well, the Christmas season is upon us. We're getting close to the actual holiday. December 25th is right around the corner. So inquiring minds want to know, how's your Christmas shopping going? Are you done? What's the status update? Yeah, you know, my wife and I wanted to limit the, the gifts under the tree for um, for the kids. We got our tree a little early, and it just looked empty without anything there. So we kind of backtracked we got some stuff under there now i think uh for the most part we're done just little stuff for the girls and um my wife and i are trying what everyone tries where it's one gift each and we'll see how that goes i'm usually the one to break that um i like buying a lot more uh and and, and than really getting gifts so um if i can stick to one i'd be very surprised <laughs> you mentioned your two young daughters what traditions do you have for them right now what are they looking forward to to be so excited about this season uh, she loves, uh, my oldest especially, loves the holidays. She loves Halloween. Uh, once that's done, she loves um, loves Thanksgiving, loves Christmas. She doesn't have uh, the, the time frames down yet, so 
you know, do you, it was two days ago. Two days ago was Halloween, and she'll say, "Do you remember last year at Halloween?" So, <laughs> just things like that are cute. But she's she's pumped about Christmas. She loves Elf on the Shelf. We've been getting nice. very very creative with it. Um, I've got a little bit of OCD, so once I start one. Um, if it's not perfect, it'll take me a long time to do one. So uh, her excitement getting up, and, and Isabel, our youngest, she uh, is always just there kind of curiously looking. Maisie will um, help her with it, but uh, that's been really fun to watch. Uh, we did it last year, and Maisie understood it, but this year she's, she's really taken off with it. Interesting. I was wondering that because we had talked to your teammate Kyle Turris last year at Christmas time and asked him about his kids and how they react to it. Are, are your daughters to the point where they're waking up at six in the morning and they're pumped to go open presents? Yeah, I think yeah. She was last year. Every morning now, she runs into our bedroom and she named the elf on the shelf Smire, um, which I thought was a great name. And <laughs> Daddy Smire's uh, Smire's fishing, uh, Smire's camping. Like, come look. So. Um, regardless of time of day, uh, she sees it. The other night she woke up, came down for a hug, I think at 1 o'clock, and had seen we had set up Smire, and it's 1 o'clock. She said, come look, Smire's camping. And we're like, let, it, let, let Smire camp. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's her, uh, she's just relaxing now. We'll see in the morning. So um, she's excited. I, I, I mean, at Christmas, uh, Christmas Day last year, she woke up. Santa had put her present in her room, big dollhouse, so she was pumped about that, couldn't believe it, so um, see what Santa does this year. Okay, so I wasn't going to ask this, but you bring it up. This has been an office debate recently. Do you, when you have Santa, does he wrap the gifts, or because he's delivered them, they don't need to be wrapped, or does Santa wrap gifts and put them under the tree? <laughs> your, your, your thoughts there. When Santa comes to our house, he wraps the gifts, Okay. Um, depending on what the gift is. Yeah. Uh, this year, Santa might be bringing something uh, a little bit bigger, so Santa may not wrap it. But uh, Get some inside that's, always, uh, that's always up to, uh, to Santa. Okay, fair enough. What about you when you were growing up? Do you remember, like, myself playing hockey growing up, I always remember, like, you got a stick or you got skates for Christmas. Do you get remember, equipment or jerseys, anything like that for Christmas? Yeah, our family, my parents and grandparents, aunt and uncle, were um, so generous. And we, we always had a ton of gifts. I loved getting the hockey stuff, the street hockey pads one year um my aunt actually was is always a huge uh, black friday shopper so she we would have our list ready for thanksgiving and uh you know with what video games we wanted stuff like that and she would go and then um my grandparents my parents were always getting us really we were very fortunate they gave us so much so um never you know can't remember christmas where i wasn't happy yeah i think uh, you, you always got clothes at Christmas, too. And as a kid, you were kind of like, oh, and now, as a 31-year-old closer, you know, happy. <laughs> some merino wool socks, <laughs> something like that. Those are, those are what I want. So, um, yeah, good, good Christmases growing up. What, what about jerseys? I was, every Christmas, I always got a jersey. Were you a jersey kid growing up? No, not really. Not really. Um, I've got a collection of jerseys now from the teams I've played on. But, uh, no, never growing up... Um, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I don't remember it, but I can't remember really, like, wanting that one jersey. I think I had a Shanahan jersey. He was my favorite. Hmm. Um, but other than that, uh, I can't really remember. Now, Christmas is really the only holiday in the NHL season that you actually get a few days off for. You know, the other ones you just kind of blow right by with either travel or games and the like. So I would imagine you've got, you know, at least a bit of a moment to be with your family. Let's talk about the other important element of the holidays food and all that comes with it any special sides any special dishes any special desserts you look forward to for that three-day break around christmas 
Uh, you know, we've lately, probably the whole, almost the whole time I've been in the NHL up until this year, I feel like I've always played on the 23rd away. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, maybe it was the 22nd, I think. But I'd always ended away. So this year, we're home the 21st after the game. We play away that night. But uh, we play home the 23rd, but we're at least in town for about a week. Um, so that'll be that'll be nice to try to figure something out. Growing up, we'd always go to my um, nan and papa's house thanks or uh, Christmas Eve and eat. Uh, it was it was tuna fish sauce, um, angel hair. So that was like the specialty. Okay. Okay. That was uh, not to bring it up, but that was like what we ate out of the cup yeah, yeah. at our yeah. parties. That was um, it's kind of like our the our big family gathering meal. It's been tradition forever. Um, but haven't been able to get home in, in a while because of because of uh, our schedule. So I'm not sure if Lauren and I will make that. It's it's really just us for the holidays. Um, don't really do do much too much special around uh, food wise. We we just really have three days off, two two three days off. So just hanging out with the kids, cooking big breakfasts. They like pancakes. Trying to make Mickey Mouse pancakes and nice. stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, so it's. Um, that's really it. Not not too much anymore. Awesome. Well, just a few days after Christmas, we're headed to Dallas, the 2020 NHL Winter Classic. You're one of just a few guys in this room who has played in an outdoor game. You've scored a goal in an outdoor game as well. But what is that like leading up to it and then playing outside in a stadium of tens of thousands of people? What is that atmosphere like? Yeah, I've been fortunate in my career, um, starting in college, actually, when the, the Winter Classic was in Boston, when I was junior in college maybe 2010 I think um and we got to play a week before we played BC at Fenway I'm a big Red Sox fan so that was an amazing experience especially the rivalry we had with BC we won that game um no big deal <laughs> but uh no that that was really cool coming to the NHL I got to play an outdoor game at Dodger Stadium which is so weird to say um which was cool and uh and then the one in Pittsburgh the stadium series there against Philly so uh we had some some really. Uh, what, what that game? I can't even remember where that. That was in Pittsburgh. I think it was in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah the one okay. that you played. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting old. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so so it's really cool. Yeah, just uh, walking out is is kind of the one thing I remember because it's a longer walk than normal, and um, you're seeing these tons of fans you're not used to seeing, and uh, I'm not sure the. I think for fans, it's really cool to be there. I'm not sure how their view is but I think just being there itself is is pretty neat I think this game takes the outdoor game to a whole new level being a winter classic I think that's that premier outdoor game really neat that uh the NHL you know gave it to a, a southern southern teams I think the the fan bases us in Dallas have are, are very excited about it and um I know we're excited we're it's a lot of planning a lot of uh you know pageantry that goes with it but i think um we're really really excited to, for it to get here is there something you can put your finger on that you just wouldn't expect or you wouldn't be able to anticipate until you've experienced an outdoor game whether that's for a fellow player perhaps just the the sight lines are all a little yeah, bit a little bit different um you know you watch it on tv it always looks a little bit funny and when you're in the game i think it's just it's, it's weird with not everyone packed in mm-hmm. uh on top of you you know you're two feet from fans one feet one foot from a fan when you get hit on the boards here um you know it's 70 feet till there's people so it's it's and the noise is a little different uh 
the way the way like you sweat and need to hydrate I found was different I found in like the Anaheim game in, in LA I, I feel like I barely drank water I was like a perfect temperature the whole time uh, sometimes it's there's depending on weather it can be different but um, for me it was just adjusting the first you know I think we have our practice there so that always helps and um, after that it gets down to hockey but I think right away you, you know the fans it's kind of a a different different atmosphere than you're used to and once you acclimate to that it's just hockey again yeah well you mentioned that practice but then a family skate as well the day before how special will that be to be able to have your family out to the cotton bowl the day before the winter classic that'll be great we've uh we've gotten Maisie in skates before um just walked around in them tried to get her balance up so thanks for reminding me i gotta yeah. do that a little more <laughs> as, we, as we get up but uh yeah it should be fun to get out there with with the family and um that's always the best part of these outdoor games is when the family gets on the ice and you get the photos and uh, it's pretty fun. You know, we've talked to your teammate Romaniosi about this. He kind of alluded to it. We've heard rumors. You don't need to spill the beans, but we've heard maybe there's a theme talk of sporting some different things. Can you give us anything, in, any sort of insight into that? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, that, it'll be a big surprise on New Year's Day then. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> Wow, that's a full no comment right there. Not even confirming or denying whether it will happen. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, well, so as we record this on a practice here on a Friday in Nashville, you've just worn the gloves, the pants for the first time that you're going to wear. What do you think of that? And and the jerseys as well, pretty sharp. They're awesome, yeah. We're going to look good. I like the gloves a lot today. Breaking those in, the pants are great with the little star symbol there. And then obviously the jerseys, I think, are are, uh, really cool. So um, Nashville and Dallas did a good job with the design. And... um, Add another jersey to the collection is always uh, is always nice. All right, we're only a few days away by the time this airs until the Winter Classic. We're all excited for it, and we know many of the people listening to this will be as well. Nick, thanks for doing this. Thanks a lot. Up next in our third segment, we'll take an in-depth look. We'll go behind the scenes for the Matias Ekholm flu game, as we're calling it, for Monday's win in New York. And we'll introduce a new segment in a Milwaukee minute. That's next on the Preds Official Podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. It's the Preds Official Podcast. It's segment three on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Thomas Willis and Brooks Braden remotely from Boston alongside you for this third segment of the show. Brooks, when you go on these road trips, when you travel with the team on the plane, you get to see some unique things, some stories that you know just don't always trickle out. And we wanted to go back even a few days later and tell this one because it's pretty unique as to, again, how Matisse Eckholm even got to the rink before he, of course, ultimately scores the game winner on Monday night in a 5-2 Preds win against the Rangers. This is a cool one. So, again, you're there with the team in Boston. What did you learn as you kind of, you know, talk to some sources and some people around the team? So, well, talking to sources, I sound so official. No, I, well, so one of the people I did not see on the plane on Sunday was Matias Ekholm. And so we know that he missed Saturday's game due to illness back in Nashville uh, against the Stars on December 14th. So we announced that before the game. Uh, And then in talking with uh, Brandon Walker, our manager of hockey operations, friend of the show who's been on before, who handles all of our travel, all of our logistics, helps get the team from point A to point B on the road, uh, he kind of gave me the lowdown on on how things happened and how Matias ended up in New York City in time for Monday night. So Ekholm was not feeling well on Friday, and and Matias told this as well. 
after Monday's game when we talked to him in the locker room. His voice was still uh, pretty pretty down, pretty shot. So you could tell that he was still getting over something, but he wasn't feeling well on Friday, was really down and out on Saturday. Of course, did not play in the game. And the thought was that he would potentially be well enough on Sunday to fly to New York. So we left Nashville last Sunday to fly to New York at, uh, I think it was an 1130 flight, I want to say, 1130 or noon around there. We took off and uh, headed for the Big Apple. Ekholm was not on that flight. So uh, Brandon was in contact with our head athletic trainer, Andy Hostler, on could Ekholm go? How was he feeling? They were they were getting updates from Matias himself as he was home in Nashville, kind of self-diagnosing, self-evaluating. <laughs> and uh, so Sunday night, the plan was for him to get on a plane in Nashville, fly to New York. Uh, somewhere, I guess Sunday afternoon, the decision was made that, hey, this isn't happening yet. <laughs> Matias was not ready to do that yet, uh, which you've, if you've ever been to the airport and tried to fly under the weather, you know that that's not the most fun thing in the world. So... He did not come Sunday night. Monday morning, so this is game day in New York, Ekholm wakes up in Nashville, is feeling okay, not completely 100%, but you know what? I'm feeling good. I'm ready to give it a go. So once they knew that he was not going to take that Sunday night flight, that flight gets canceled or that reservation gets canceled. Brandon then says, okay, we're going to try Monday morning now. So he books a flight for Matias Monday morning, a commercial flight. So he heads to the airport in Nashville, wakes up, he's feeling okay, lets lets the people know who he needs to know, and uh, gets on a flight on Monday morning around 9 a.m. in Nashville, flies to New York City, makes it around lunchtime, gets to the hotel, actually has time to take a pregame nap, and then heads to the rink and Ekholm said he was really kind of worried about warm-ups. He was really, that was really going to be the big test. And seven defensemen took warm-ups for the Predators as well. Matter when Yannick Weber were both out there in case Matias was not able to go. Uh, but he took warm-ups and said, you know what, I think I'm going to be okay. But he wanted to keep his shifts short. And so then in the second period there, he, of course, takes the cross-checking penalty, which puts him in the penalty box to begin with. Seconds later, he comes out, Nick Bonino with a nice little lob pass, and Ekholm slows down, catches up with it, and then proceeds to wire home what ends up being the game winner. So a day that started with Matias Ekholm waking up, getting over the flu in Nashville, ends with him scoring the game-winning goal at Madison Square Garden and starting this road trip off with a bang. So that's something that I don't... <laughs> have we have we had a situation like that in our time here? I don't know that I remember someone waking up sick right. in Nashville the day of the game and then flying to another city. So illness is the factor, right? I, I agree. I don't know that we've had that. You'll see the emergency recall. You will see a guy land in Nashville, for example, at 4 p.m. and like his hockey sticks, because you can't take hockey sticks onto the plane, the commercial flight with you. So then they carry on. Yeah, right. They get checked and then like your bags don't show up and you're scrambling for your equipment. And and again, meanwhile, hockey players like a lot of athletes are such creatures of, of routine. The rest of your team's already at the ring going through meetings or, you know, stretching or taping their hockey sticks. Meanwhile, you're still at the airport trying to get your bags. I mean, that sort of thing has definitely happened. And uh, even with some backup goaltenders as well. But yeah, that's what kept getting to me to think that you guys are in New York getting ready to go to morning skate. And again, so like we put out the projected lineup based on morning skate 
I mean, he's not there. So in no way, like, is it thought, you know, to the casual observer that, you know, Matisse Tuckham's going to play in this game again. And he's sitting in Nashville roughly at that same time. <laughs> uh, and then he flies up, and you're, and you're right. He, he did mention, like, you know, pretty hesitant, a little scared, and warm-ups how it would go. And, well, yeah, it, it goes pretty well. He has a fantastic game. And hopefully this isn't too hot takey for anyone, but I would argue that Matisse Tuckham may be this team's best defenseman. Now, not best player. I think that goes to Roman Yossi. But as far as a defensive defenseman, I think he adds an element to that blue line that they really don't get from anyone else. And I think I would argue that you saw a lack of that on Saturday's loss to the Stars when they gave up some more high-danger chances than they'd like. And yet he's able to quiet that game. I think he makes Dante Fabro remarkably better when those two are paired together and then just the storybook personally <laughs> I, I love i know he probably was towing the line here but i personally loved the reaction of getting called for i was a cross checking i think and then yeah, he like cross. looks <laughs> at the ref and just tosses his stick in the corner which was pretty hysterical well and then he gets <laughs> mad because he tosses his stick and as it falls to the ice a ranger player hits his stick with their stick and flips it back in the corner, which then Matias is like, well, what the heck? Right. So, well, so maybe it was, don't throw your hockey stick, but yeah. it was a calamity of errors, yeah. but no, it all, it all worked out as Rocco Grimaldi said after the game, Hey, you know, it was a tough penalty to, to, to take, yeah. but it, it ended up working out in the yeah. end. So watch out Michael Jordan. Matias Eklund has his flu game. And I remember earlier in this season, he had joked with you because I think you asked something about him being on breakaways. Cause I think he's already had another one this year. And just, you know, how nonchalant he's, yeah, like, I've had a few. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he might be about four for four on breakaways in his career at this point, I think. So, I don't know, if the, I don't know if the shootout's next in his future, but um, impressive to see that uh, from him again, especially knowing the circumstances of not even being in the same state hours before the game. Yeah, well, as you said, I mean, he, when he's on, he's on, and he's so good. He's such a big part of that Predators blue line, and we talk about guys who are underrated, and at one time it was Roman Yossi, and then maybe it was Ryan Ellis, and I don't know that Matias Ekholm is, is still underrated, but if you had to choose someone, it's probably him, and, and that was a perfect example of... Matias showing up, leading by example, showing why he's an alternate captain on this team and uh, just doing what he has to do out there to help his teammates get a win. Yeah. All right. Now it's time for the new segment to come, at least as far as this greater third segment goes. The Milwaukee Minute. We're calling it that because, like, in a New York Minute, it's not exactly a minute. It may be a little bit more, but we wanted to at least briefly give a, a prospect update here. Again, for the Admirals, who are the best team in the league, take it away. We got to get a drop for this. Yeah, are there well, any songs? If, if any of you know of any songs about Milwaukee, oh geez, I'm sure those sound feel, great. Feel free, feel free to shoot us a note. But no, so the Milwaukee Minute, we've been doing it uh, off and on. You've maybe you've seen me do it on Fang Vision at Bridgestone Arena during Predators games, but. We think it's important to uh, let everyone know what's going on in Milwaukee. So as Thomas said, without further ado, here's a little update on what the ads are doing. As we record this on Friday afternoon, December 20th, the Admirals have points in seven of eight games in the month of December, including a 2-1 win over San Antonio on December 18th. One at the flex, however, off the stick of Stevens, and now a right-wing feeders. Richard with a step. Richard to the right circle. The shot, he scored! Anthony Richard! Give him an inch, he'll take the mile. 17-04 of the first period. The speedy Anthony Richard with his eighth of the season, and the Admirals have a 1-0 lead. There's Admirals play-by-play man Aaron Sims on the call for goal number one of two from Anthony Richard in that 2-1 win over San Antonio. He now has nine goals on the season, just two off of Daniel Carr's team leading a 
11. Cole Schneider leads the ads with 26 points, followed by Carr with 22, and defenseman Alex Carrier with 20. Goaltenders Connor Ingram and Troy Grosnick continue to have have their own spot respectively in the top 10 in goals against average and save percentage among all AHL net miners. And the Admirals have their leading scorer back yeah. now, Yakov Trenin has just been returned on Friday afternoon to the Milwaukee Admirals. So Trennan with 26 points as well on the season back to the ads, and he will no doubt help them as they continue to sit atop the AHL standing. I was just going to say, just to peel back the curtain, we won't always have a breaking roster move for you as we record the Milwaukee Minute, but you mentioned it. Trennan sent down on Friday afternoon. You have to think that's good news for either a Granlund or an Arvidsson. Um, on this Predators roster again as they look like they're getting closer to returning. And hey, let, let's spend at least 30 seconds on Trennan because I will candidly admit when he got recalled for the second time, again, he's already come up, quickly had the game, and then went back down. I wasn't expecting that much, and I truly was impressed with what he was able to accomplish. Got put up in the top six because of it on a couple different times. I, I think maybe we're looking back on this early portion of the season in the next couple years to come and say, you know, was that our first glimpse of Trennan, who is now a full-time NHL player for the Preds? Yakov has some skill, and David Poyle said that as much on this very station, that he believes Yakov Trennan is getting closer and closer to being a full-time player for the Nashville Predators. And a couple of years ago, I don't know that you would have said that that was necessarily something uh, on the radar at that time, but Yakov has really improved over the last couple of seasons. He's battled some injuries, but he hasn't given up. His confidence has never been higher, and he's been tearing it up in the American Hockey League this season. That's why he got one and then two chances up here with Nashville. He, of course, got his first NHL goal a couple of weeks ago. Got some time with Ryan Johansson and Callie Yarncroft on that top line for the Predators against the Islanders and against the Senators in Ottawa. Trennan's looked really good, and even though he's back down there in Milwaukee, uh, this is not the last time that we're going to see him up here in Nashville. Yeah, suddenly it doesn't seem like that after this last recall. Certainly seems like he could be back. All right, we'll call it a special edition of the Milwaukee Minute for two reasons. One, it was the first one. And secondly, you got a roster move because of it. So <laughs> on that note, let's move on to our fourth and final segment to answer some of your Twitter questions from the week and get into a variety of topics as we preview this next week for the Preds to come. That's all right here on the POP on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Thanks for sticking with us here on the Preds Official Podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. We'll call it your favorite show. It's at least our favorite show, right, Brooks? Sure it is. Yeah, well, maybe. Uh, Thomas Willis, it's, Brooks It's Fred the last on. show before Christmas. Well, yeah, we can at least That's confirm exciting. that. Yes, we can at least confirm that. All right, and we've got a winner because we will continue to do this, I think, to just to gather more data. We wanted to make this show as good as we can. It won't ever be perfect, but um, to appeal to a, a variety of different tastes. We've improved a couple things. We asked for your opinions on a survey and have randomly selected one of those surveyors to win a Colton Sissons autographed puck. His name is Matthew Osborne, one of our 105 participants. So, again, thanks to all of you who took the time to fill it out. And congrats to Matthew Osborne, who is the proud owner 
or will soon be when he receives it in the <laughs> mail of a Colton Sissons autographed puck. So congrats, Matthew. I will reach out and we will figure out a way to get that to you. Cool. And thanks to all of you who, you know, said the show was perfect, perfect, loved it the way that that was ironic. I just misspoke on the word perfect. <laughs> uh, anyways, you know, that you like it the way that it is and that it was funny for every person that was like, I want more league updates. There were three that said, I don't want more league updates. So again, <laughs> we'll, we'll cater. We'll go back and forth. Not every episode is going to be the same going forward. But again, good to hear um, what you guys like, what you what you don't like. Um, I think again, we've already made some very changes in this episode. So let us know. You know, uh, keep continuing to have that feedback. Keep downloading. Keep listening. We appreciate all that you've done. And I guess what first year and a half of the show? Can we? I guess we're year, right at the halfway point. Year and a half, yeah. And I, and I tell you what, I'm all for some constructive criticism. But one of you said you don't like the cold play. Yeah, and you know, words hurt. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that we can personally block anyone from downloading episodes, but, you know, watch out. Your RSS feed may may, may be restricted now. Um, and besides, hey, we've had Christmas music all month, so maybe that's been a bit of a reprieve. Now I say that, and I bet we'll play a Coldplay Christmas song. But anyways. <laughs> Darn right, we will. Just to, just to make some certain people angry. There you go. There you go. Well, and, and the rest of I'm sure the rest of you will enjoy it. And one final note, of course, if you're listening to this on the radio on Saturday, you're thinking, well, yeah, duh. A few of you seem confused that this is also a live radio program on Saturday. So, no, we can't just flip our recording time or, you know, be able to look into the future at different times. But I think it works out for those who listen podcast versus radio. So hopefully hopefully that helps. Again, I appreciate all the answers and feedback that we got. Let me give you a moment to say check out the Preds two-game rivalry pack at NashvillePredators.com slash rivalry. You know, there's no other night like a night when the Preds are facing a fierce rival on the other side of the ice. It's two games. You get to pick those two games. It's start, tickets start as low as $75 a piece. There's a couple coming up, including before we even speak to you next on this show. Pittsburgh Penguins are in town on Friday, December the 27th. Check that game out. The Boston Bruins, who the Preds will play on Saturday. They'll be in Nashville on January the 7th. There's roughly 10 or so games left to pick from in the rivalry pack. Check it out. Again, I understand not everyone can be a season ticket holder, but if you're looking to get into Smashville at, honestly, about the best price you can, NashvillePredators.com slash rivalry. All right, let's get to these fans' questions. Um, Hashtag Preds Podcast. If you use that throughout the week, we will put them into the show via feedback. We will quit repeating questions. Sorry, guys. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) And so we'll be able to answer those now. Boy, this one goes straight to you because it is right straight to your heart. Justin wants to know, the West McCauley interview got me thinking, how are refs assigned their games? Do they get a schedule at the beginning of the season? Does where they live have a factor? Do they book their own travel? So give us the spiel on refs and games and travel. Yes, Justin, great question. So uh, referees are assigned their games by a scheduler. So much like uh, the the players or, or teams get their schedule at the beginning of the season, they get all 82 games. Referees get about a month at a time. So there is a scheduler. There are folks who work in the league office who work directly with, with the officials, uh, the VP of officiating, Stephen Walkham, who himself used to be an on-ice referee, plays a large part in that. Uh, so they get their travel schedules and uh, where they live actually does play a factor. There are a lot of guys that live in different NHL cities. I think the league kind of wants that. They want guys spread around. They don't want everybody living in the Northeast. And when you've got to go out West, there's nobody out there who can be there. 
in a day or two, especially if someone gets hurt, if you need to change an assignment. For example, Tim Peel was just injured a couple games ago. His ankle's broken. He's out potentially for the remainder of the season. All of a sudden, you've got to move guys around so you can have two referees on the ice uh, every night. So it is good to have guys spread around. And then it depends on where you live, too, like especially some of the older guys. For example, there's a veteran linesman who lives in Pittsburgh. I would almost be willing to guarantee that he will be there either the last game leading into Christmas or the first game out of Christmas. Typically, if you live in a city, you still travel a lot, but you do work maybe two, three, four more games in that home city than you would in other places around the league. And then travel as well. A lot of times they do book their own travel. As they get their schedules, they look and see, okay, what's best for me? When do I want to get to this city? Do I want to leave after an afternoon game? Do I wait till the next day after a night game? All kinds of factors play into it. Uh, and every once in a while, your luggage gets lost. So they put up <laughs> with the same perils that the rest of us do. Yeah, fair enough. Daniel says, that was a great episode of the Hashtag Preds podcast with John Russell. Love his photos. Is there somewhere in the archives pics from the past can be viewed? Uh, I'd say two things. One, um, we do have a new photo galleries feature for this season on the on NationalPreds.com on the Preds website. So check that out for all new photos from the season. Again, there's like, as John said, what, 50 photos on average from a game that uh, we can only tweet and only post so much. There's dozens that you can see. Um, there that are very cool to check out and then honestly he has always been a getty images photographer at least you know since we've been working with him so if you can just go to gettyimages.com no you can't download them and that sort of thing but you can it's pretty cool you can go all the way back to what do you, what would i say about 2002 2003 was when they kind of went to digital and it got more readily available yeah, you can go back a while, and you yeah. can even find some shots from that first season on there if you if you really do some searching. Yeah, but, yeah. But between that and then, we always like to do kind of a year end post mm-hmm. or a season end post of John's top shots of the year of the or of the season as well. So always be on the lookout for that too. Yeah, so you, you can check that out there. Um, again, he's really seen some cool moments. As we said, he will be um, with us in Dallas for the Winter Classic. So very much looking forward to see just the unique stuff he's going to be able to capture there. Um, again, if I were regarding or reviewing someone rather uh, from this Predators organization highly, it, there'd be few people to beat than John. He is one of a kind when it comes to what he's able to do um, each and every night around the rink for NHL photography. Um, Cliff wants to know, I'm really liking that new second line look of Forsberg, Duchesne and Grimaldi. Any chance that the Preds stay with that for a while? Well, Rocco's been great. He's got game or goals in three straight games for the first time in his career. Uh, leading into this one on Saturday night here in Boston. And I know a lot of you on social media have been clamoring for Duchesne and Forsberg to be back together mm-hmm. as well. So they are back together, of course. As we mentioned, Yakov Trenin has been sent back to Milwaukee. So we'll wait and see on Saturday what the lineup will indeed look like because that says to us probably Mikhail Granlin, who is day-to-day, maybe he's likely ready to come back. Would Forsberg, Duchesne, and Granlin become reunited? Yeah. We know how great that line was at the beginning of the season, and then Forsberg got injured and things got switched up. Uh, but you're right. Uh, Cliff Grimaldi's looked really good with the two of those, but uh, we know that things can change, and we know that Victor Arvidsson probably isn't that far off either from mm-hmm. from coming back. So we like that combo for sure, uh, but we'll see because that Benino Smith Grimaldi trio has been really great as well. If they end up back together, very good point. It seemed like at least there was an implication from Laviolette that he wanted to get 
Duchesne, you know, some higher skill on his wings. And of course, that's Philip Forsberg. But again, credit to Grimaldi that that all of a sudden has become him. I mean, sets the career high in goals, has been crucial so far in this road trip to get a couple timely um, scores to be able to really change some of these games. So again, I think you and I have just continued to be surprised and impressed with what he's been able to do. I, I still remember what he did in that first round playoff series against Dallas. I mean, there were times when he was the bright spot for the Preds, and he's really been able to continue that into this season. So so good for him. We'll, we'll see where that goes. Hey, wanted to mention uh, before we head off and uh, finish up our Christmas shopping that the NHL Road to the Winter Classic. Yes. This is a television program that you are not going to want to miss. It debuts on Monday night here in the United States on NBCSN at 9.30 p.m. Central Time, episode one of three. So set those DVRs. It'll also play on the NHL Network on Christmas Eve. And for those of you... In Canada, it will be airing on Sportsnet as well. The full schedule, you can find it. I've tweeted it. It is also linked in the most recent Smashville scope from this week. So if you go to NashvillePredators.com under the news feed and find the Smashville scope from December 18th, there is a section there that will tell you all about Preds and Sars Road to the Winter Classic. Again, the behind-the-scenes coverage that we know you all crave. You are not going to want to miss it. Three episodes are coming your way starting this week. For those of you who years removed still miss Beneath the Ice that the Preds used to do uh, internally, this this is this, this is that, and, and so much more. Again, the, these are those what 30 minute episodes that you want they've already tweeted out a few teasers including going to ryan johansson's house and playing golf with colton systems in the dark because of course why not so again this is going to be that on the ice mic'd up footage in the locker room behind the scenes on off days with players i think a lot of us will really enjoy it again and then as you mentioned that third episode then recaps the winter classic so even if you're there at the game you'll want to go back and watch it because you'll be able to see things you weren't even if you were there physically in dallas Wes McCauley was mic'd up for that first Dallas game. That's Ooh. worth the price of admission for me. Oh, there you go. All right. For Brooks <laughs> Bratton, follow him on Twitter or on Instagram at Brooks Bratton. I am at Tom A. Willis on Twitter. Make sure you're following at Preds NHL to see the best Preds content first, including a lot of previews. A time lapse is coming up there on that handle soon of what they're doing right now at the Cotton Bowl, getting ready for that NHL Winter Classic. That'll be cool to see. This has been another episode of the Preds Official Podcast on ESPN 102.5. The game for more about the show, go to NashvillePredators.com slash podcast. Thanks to Nick Benino for joining us for, I guess, the second time here on the show. Please go to rate and subscribe on any of your favorite podcast services, Apple, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, any of those. We do appreciate it when you leave us a review and you subscribe. And we'll catch you next week after Christmas. So I guess with that, I'll say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everyone. We will talk to you soon.